had to make a run into town this afternoon, and I was on the phone all the way out there and all the way back. <laughs> but this phrase kept coming to me while I was in the car, while I was on the phone. And it was simply getting beyond Jericho. And I, I looked up the passage. There's just something in my heart stirring. God, I want to see some people get beyond Jericho. And uh, I looked up the passage, and you know the story about how they had wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, and they had crossed over, and they were preparing to take Jericho. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Joshua there on the plains, and Joshua found out that the angelic forces of Yahweh, the Elohim of hosts, they do not uh, favor flesh. They are not the friend of flesh. Instead, they are the guardians of God's honor, God's purpose. And so he says to the angel, are you friend or are you foe? And the angel says, neither. Take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua takes off his sandals, and really that's the end of the conversation. There's not really any more of a message conveyed to Joshua. It's just a reminder that you're standing in a place that is bigger than you. And you need to walk into this with humility and precise obedience. And then we know that that's exactly what Joshua did. He received instruction from the Lord as to how many times to march around the city. And how many times to be quiet? How many times to blow the trumpet? And when everybody should shout? And there was this precise instruction and precise obedience. And we know that the walls came down and it was a great victory. But what God was speaking to me is getting beyond Jericho. And I thought about how many times people go through these stages where they wander in the wilderness of bewilderment, as it's been said, for a long time. And then finally the Lord tells them, it's time to cross over into your promised land. And they pass through the waters of the Jordan in baptism. Amen. And they come up on the other side, and they bring down the edifice of their old kingdom of pride. In repentance, they tear down Jericho. And they clamor over its stones and they devote it all to the Lord. But then there's another battle and another battle and another battle just beyond. And there's something inside of the Israelites, there's something inside of us that wants to believe that we're going to have a couple big exertions and then it's going to all be over. Things are going to smooth out and we're going to be able to just skate into the promised land. But that's not how it goes. Everything in Jericho is devoted to the Lord. And it's that total devotion that empowers you to take the next battle and then the next after that. We know what happened after Jericho. They faced Ai. <clears throat> and it says that they were defeated at Ai. It was God's will to give them the victory. But there was someone who was still trying to preserve something for themselves. There was someone who was engaged in the promised land. 
engaged in the conquest of the kingdom for the benefit of the flesh. And that can happen to one of us. That can happen to any one of us. We can start doing the things of God, engaging in the kingdom's conquest, but subconsciously make ourselves the purpose, the reason, the one to receive the benefit. And there is a benefit. There is a benefit that God wants to give us. Jesus knew that benefit when he said, I have food to eat that you, don't, that you know not of. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. There is a satisfaction, brothers and sisters, in doing God's will just as he told you to do it. And being able to get done with Jericho and say, we did it exactly as God said. But there is also a temptation for us to start judging the conquest of Canaan according to how it's benefiting me. I heard somebody in a, uh, another place recently say, or I heard of them saying, life is so much harder than I thought. My husband spends all his time working and then when he comes home, he's helping people solve problems and having people over to the house and when are we gonna get to have the family life? And I believe in the family life, but more than that, I believe in the cross life. And I've heard people say, I never had any friends when I was in the world. But when I came to the church, I wanted to have friends. You know what? I believe that is God's promise to every one of us. There are relationships that you can have in the body of Christ. Of course, the Bible does say, he who wishes to have friends must show himself friendly. He kind of puts the onus back on us. But I've heard people complain about that. I've heard people get into their 50s and 60s and say, you know, we don't have the kind of connections we wanted to have or we used to have. Do you remember what I ministered last week? Entanglements. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. The strongest relationships that you'll ever hear about, do they go something like this? Yeah, so-and-so and I used to share uh, a street. We were neighbors, next-door neighbors on Alexander Avenue. Or is it something more like this? Yeah, I was in Iraq with him. Yeah, we were in Korea together. The strongest relationships are wartime relationships. They are relationships forged through real battles, real sacrifices that knit people's hearts together like peacetime never could. So when I hear people talking about relationships, amen, I want you to have that. But remember what Viktor Frankl said. He said, happiness is an elusive thing. It is not a worthy objective to pursue in and of itself. He said we must pursue purpose and happiness will ensue. We must find the will and purpose of God and do it. And in doing it, our lives are going to be intertwined with other people who are in the same pursuit. We say we want to do God's will, but we just need more help. 
We need more blessings. We need more friendships. We need more time. But you're going to get all that if you would just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things would be added unto you. I think about the people I'm closest to in the world. They are people who I didn't expect would be my best friends. But they saw me heaving under a load too big for me and they came and put their shoulder under it and said, can I help? And they did something that said, I can make your burden a little lighter. Thank you, Jesus. And you don't say, I'm going to do this in order that I might have such and such and such and such. You say, I'm going to do this because I want the satisfaction of entering into an eternal pur purpose that is to demonstrate to the principalities and powers the hidden wisdom of God through the church. I want to be part of what is happening on the face of the earth. And it's not enough. It's a great place to start to begin to help someone else carry their burden. But then you've got to let that burden become your burden. And if while you're struggling, if while you're, you're conquering Canaan, you start pulling out little bits of garments and little silver and little gold and start creating a little nest for yourself on the side, does that please the Lord? No, he does not say seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then really get after all these other things before everybody else snatches them up. He says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. You're not going to get them. You're not going to snatch them up. They're going to be added to you. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He is going to give you what you need. Is that not what Jesus said? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He knows what you need. He knows the longing of your soul. He knows that you need to be connected with people, that you need to have laughter in your life that you need to have camaraderie in your life. He knows that you need to have fun and go places. But most importantly, he needs you to know that there is a purpose that is bigger than you. And that if he asks you, you're going to be willing to lay down your life for the advance of that purpose. Not just lay down your vacation, not just lay down your, your companionships, but lay down your life for that purpose. And if that purpose has not gotten a hold of you and taken possession of you in that manner, then can you say that you're doing the will of God? Does he not say in Romans 12, offer yourself up as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable form of worship? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed that you may prove what are you going to prove when you make that full sacrifice? What is that good and acceptable and pleasing will of God? He's saying the same thing Jesus was saying in John 4. I have food to eat that you don't know about. My food is good and acceptable and pleasing and it is doing the will of God. I get joy out of being used so long as the one using me is God. There were times in the conquest when he said, take the possessions for yourself. 
And there were many times when he said, do not. There are times when he says, take a break. There are times when he says, this is for you. But the most important thing is to addict yourself to the service of the purpose. And say, God, I'm not here for myself. I'm here for your kingdom. Amen. I want you to know something. If you try to overcome sin for yourself, you will never do it. If you try to give up the world for yourself, you will never do it. If you try to love people for how it's going to help you, you will never do it as you should. You have got to be taken possession of by a purpose. You have got to be taken by the purpose of God. He says that there was a man who saw a costly field in which was buried a pearl. And for joy over it, he sold it all. But he said this was the kingdom of God. This wasn't a single relationship. This wasn't a house. It wasn't even a spouse. It was the kingdom of God. What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like somebody finding a purpose worth giving everything in their life for. God, get us beyond Jericho. Get us beyond Jericho. What happened when, when AI, when at, AI, when at AI they were defeated, Joshua began to seek the Lord, and the Lord said that somebody has blown it. Somebody, there's sin in the camp. And so they went through and they found the man. He says, why'd you do this? Glorify God. The man confessed. They all picked up stones and they killed him that very hour. Then the Lord spoke to him again. Now the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear or be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and rise up against Ai. See, I have given it into your hand, the king of Ai, his people, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king just as you did to Jericho and its king. You shall take only its spoil and its cattle as plunder for yourselves, yet ambush the city behind it. So the very next conquest, the Lord says, this one is for you. But they weren't dependent on the Lord. Akan couldn't wait on the Lord. He said, I want to seek all these things and I hope God's kingdom will be added unto me. I'm going to pursue my own ambitions. I'm going to chase after what I know I need and I just pray that his kingdom will be added unto me before I die. The Lord says, just trust me. Just do what I say. Just give everything. Just put it all on the altar. Give it up even when it looks like riches. Do it for my name's sake. Do it for my word's sake. And before you know it, I'm going to be providing all your needs according to my riches in store. There's an Akan inside of every one of us. There's a little selfish brat inside of every one of us that wants to hijack kingdom purposes and make them selfish ambitions. There's an Akan inside of every one of us that wants to pick up things and store them away for ourselves. But it just causes the kingdom to lose momentum. It just causes our efforts to fall flat. Thank you, Jesus. It just causes the devil to get a big laugh. And it just causes the name of God to be reproached. We need to bury that Akan in repentance. We need to bury him under a whole heap of stones and let him be a memorial. God, this is not about me, and it's never going to be about me. It's about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Getting beyond Jericho. We're going to come to places where we feel like we're directionless. 
We feel like some of the things that God called us to are not happening. They're not coming to pass. But we're not going to be able to figure out the solution as long as flesh is in the center. I know that sounds simple. I had, I talked with someone this week and they said something to me like this. And <clears throat> God is dealing with me about my pride. I want you to follow, with, follow me on this, okay? God is dealing with me about my pride. And I feel like every time I turn around, I'm realizing that it's my pride that's tripping me up again. I'm paraphrasing. And they said, I feel the Lord inviting me to become vulnerable, to trust Him. But I'm scared to step into that vulnerability because I feel like in that vulnerability, I'm going to lose how to talk, how to walk, how to respond. And there was one other one, basically how to act. It was a pretty honest confession, wasn't it? And I just want God to help me to trust him. I said, the problem is, is that you think that you know how to do all those things already. You think that if you take this step of humility, you're going to lose the ability that you already have. But you don't have that ability. You're a train wreck. Your pride is not working. Your pride is deceiving you and cheating you. It told you not to trust people, to hold them at arm's length. And you believe them, and all those people you didn't trust, they have fellowship, they have affection, they have love in their life, and you're excluded from that grace because he resists the proud, but only gives grace to the humble. And I told him, I said, if you want to really change something in your life, acknowledgement comes before change. Recognition comes before change. You have got to face just what a train wreck you really are. You're not going to put something to death that you're still in love with. What comes before murder? Hatred. Hatred comes before murder. So if we're supposed to be putting a carnal nature to death, what has to come before the ability to successfully die in repentance? You've got to realize what a total train wreck you are. You've got to come to some place where you say, this is not working. This is what failure looks like. And you've got to say, God, I really hate this lying, cheating, deceiving pride inside of me. And I want to bring it to death. I want to take it down once and for all, Jesus. But if you're still kind of enamored with it, if you still think it's pretty smart, you're never going to put it to death. And it's the same for our ambitions or our course that we set for ourselves. That's why he says it's so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Easier for an camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So many come to God and they say, I'm such a success, Lord. 
Please help me figure out how to give up my success and accept your humility. But God doesn't accept successes. God doesn't even ask successful people to give up anything. In fact, he categorically states, I did not come for the well. The well have no need of a physician, but I came to call sinners to repentance. So as long as you think God's asking you to give up something precious, you're never going to be able to give it up. My dad said something to me yesterday. He said, when we came to God, he said, we had hit rock bottom. We saw the end of our flesh. And he said, we felt like we were rotten, horrible, worthless people. And he said, we were always worried that if the church figured out just what sinners we were, they would never let us in again. He said, so we never went through these battles about what God was asking us to give up. But what I'm trying to say is if every person does not come to the same revelation, they're never going to successfully give it up. If you think you're successful, if you think you're smart, if you think you're special, if you think you're entitled, you're never going to pay the price. You kind of say, God, I was a nothing. And you called me to be yours. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The word is the bankrupt in spirit. Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I want to tell you something. I didn't used to be poor in spirit. I am poor in spirit. I still feel it. I didn't used to be hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I tonight feel such a craving in my heart to see the kingdom of God come to pass and for God to use a rotten pitiful me in whatever way he chooses. And I still feel the blessing Amen, that comes when I'm able to offer myself up as a complete sacrifice. It's not about you. Get beyond Jericho. Let's get into the promised land, brothers and sisters. There is a purpose. God has given us a unique vision. And that vision has come to pass, but it has not come fully to pass. We have gotten past Jericho. We may have even gotten past AI, but there are 10 cities yet ahead of us. I'm, I'm talking to us young people. Now listen to me. The vision that God has given us has not fully come to pass. We are supposed to press this frontier further. We are supposed to bring more of our lives into conformity to the word that has already been given. Don't think that the happiest, most thrilling days are behind us. The greatest days are still ahead of us. God wants to bring changes in our thinking, changes in our practices, changes in our living out of the vision he's given 
that will make us unrecognizable if we would just obey them. This is the purpose. What is your AI? What is your next city to conquer? It's some area where the Lord has said, if you'll do this, my kingdom will come and my will will be done. And we said, yes, Lord, but we left that city unconquered. We left that mountain unclimbed. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I look at my generation right now and I say, God, I'm so thankful for what you've given us. But I believe that it is within our reach to bring 100% of our necessary food into, our own, into the sphere of our own provision. Did you hear me? 100%. Let's get beyond Jericho. I believe it is within our reach to solve the financial problems that would hobble and cripple the works and communities around the world. I believe it. Amen. It's going to be a parting of the waters, but waters have parted before. Give me my mountain. I'm getting beyond Jericho. Thank you, Jesus. I believe it is within our reach. I believe it is within our grasp, it is within our lifetime that we've got to see changes come, even in the way we look at our vocations and our houses and the whole approach to sustainability. It's within our reach. It may seem like a small thing, but it's within our reach. It's a city that is only half crumbled. Amen. It's a tower that is half built, however you want to flip it. Amen. But I want to see it done in my lifetime. Thank you, Jesus. I believe it's within our reach to get the literature translated into every language where the Lord is sending us so that the message can be clear. Take the vision and make it plain. I believe this. Do you believe it? Amen. There's a place for you in this great purpose and vision. It's the most exciting thing anybody could ever be a part of. You've got a part to play. But don't pick up a bag and start doing it for yourself. It's not about you. It's about moving this kingdom forward. And sometimes it feels like we're pushing against a 200-foot cliff. But we're going to keep pushing and praying and working and giving ourselves until this mountain rolls into the sea. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm eating up with it. I give my whole life to it. I didn't discover this foundation. I wasn't given these revelations, but I was given the commission to establish it, to build it, to advance it across the face of the earth. And I am eating up with it. Are you? Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name and authority and dominion. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And when your will is done, I'm going to be satisfied. I'm going to be fulfilled. I'm going to have friends. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have nothing that the world could ever offer and everything that the kingdom promises. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We've got a purpose. We've got a mandate on us. And the only thing that could threaten to make it threadbare is a certain kind of selfish individualism that would make it all about you. 
where you would start comparing yourselves amongst yourselves and you would start judging this by that and wondering why that hasn't happened yet. All you need to say is, God, you gave me a purpose. Have I moved it forward this week? I'm hitting my feet. I'm hitting my face again. I'm going to push this thing forward in Jesus' name. Amen. What shall I compare the kingdom of heaven to? It is like a man who had talents and he gave some to this and some to that and a little to this one. And he went on a long journey and he came back to account. Lord, cultivate in me a revelation of how I'm cheated by my flesh. Cultivate in me an awareness of just what a liar my pride is so that I can bring the death blow against that which I have learned to hate. Amen. What did Job say? When he beheld himself, what did he say? I abhor myself in dust and ashes and repent. There's a, there's a conniving cheat that is trying to rob you of the promises of God. Amen. They're not about you, but he's provided for you in them. Amen. And if you could just get rid of that liar and that cheat, wow, you'd be unstoppable. Amen. We'd get past Jericho. Thank you, Jesus. Getting beyond Jericho, you say, well, we tried to take this last time, and it didn't work. Yeah, but you had something in your tent that you don't have there anymore, do you? Let's get beyond Jericho. Hallelujah, with a big stone mountain in the background reminding us of what we should never make this about, me. Hallelujah, you feeling the same faith I'm feeling that we can get beyond Jericho? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus.